Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is when you listen in. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of Truth Tidbits, and welcome to you for joining with us. I pray God's blessing be upon you today. So in our Truth Tidbits today, episode 15, I'd like to look at a brief passage from James chapter 1. And I really want to talk about the key to avoiding self-deception and the importance of uh, the implanted word and the mirror. So let's consider those topics as we look at a passage from James chapter 1. And I'm going to be referencing a few other places in scripture as well. Now, in James chapter 1, I want to read this passage first, and then we're going to go back and talk about it. James chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer Of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, or a woman, he's like a person observing their natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, of the work, then this one will be blessed in what he does. So, I want to talk a little bit about that. Here, James is giving us, in, in somewhat of a summary form, the process of spiritual Christian growth and maturity beginning with laying aside or putting away, casting off all filthiness, all things that cause stain or dirtiness. I referred to some of those things in a couple of other episodes that I've done about the bride preparing for the wedding, and one was called Everyone Loves a Wedding. And we talked a little bit about those things, the things that can stain us and what that means. But filthiness would talk about anything that's dirty, any sinful thing that would cause stains in us and in our, in our spirit and, and in our minds. He says to lay away, lay aside Put away and cast off all filthiness, all overflow of wickedness, all wicked, bad, morally wrong, evil things, period. That covers the whole gamut. And he says, and receive with meekness or mildness, humility, the implanted word, the engrafted word. That is the logos that was literally planted inside of you to germinate, take root, grow, and bear fruit inside of you. And it is that word of God, the Logos. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 13, calls the word of God the seed. If you'll recall there, there's a parable of that we usually refer to it as the parable of the sower, 
It could probably better be called the parable of the soils because Jesus explains four different types of soils. James here is telling us, be the good soil. If you go back and you read in Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9 and verses 18 through 23, you will read the parable of the sower and the explanation of it. And so Jesus mentions, I want to look back on that just for a moment. I'm not going to read the whole passage just for the sake of time. But down when he explains what the passage means, beginning in verse 18, I want to go down to where he talks about the good soil. He says this, he explains, um, first of all, he defines the word. The word is the, um, the word of the kingdom. The seed is the word of God. He tells us that. So then he goes on down and he says in verse 23, But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. All right, he's told us that the seed is the word. And here he says that the good ground is the person who hears that word, the word of God, understands it. In other words, you know, studies it, hears it with their ears of understanding, really has an open ear to hear what it means and what he's saying. And then he says it bears fruit. Now, you don't go from a seed to fruit overnight. It's, it's a process. What he's talking about there is that that person who has received it and understanding it is the person that's taken this, has allowed the seed of God's word to be planted inside of them and then to grow. Because when a seed is planted in the ground, it will germinate. That means it, it pops open and it begins to shoot a taproot down. It begins to shoot roots out. It begins to shoot a, 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 a stem upward and it starts to break through the ground. It grows. It begins to develop, you know, that hard um, shell around it, the... the um, I don't, I'm not a botanist, so I don't know exactly what it's called, but it will develop like, for instance, a trunk of a tree. If it were a seed of a tree or the seed of a plant, it will develop something that is sturdy enough to uphold it and to keep it when winds blow and those kinds of things. So it's going to develop those things. It's going to grow taller and taller. It'll begin to shoot off, <clears throat> excuse me. It'll begin to shoot off leaves here and there. It'll begin to um, bud and blossom. And then there'll be a fruit process, a fruit bearing process. But it all started with the seed being received into good soil so that it could then break forth and grow and develop. That's what James is talking about here receive that implanted word, that seed of the word. When did it get planted in you? It was planted in you when you believed in Jesus Christ and you accepted Jesus as your Savior. That's when it came in. If you read in Hebrews chapter 8 
And in Jeremiah chapter 31, Hebrews chapter 8, he's quoting Jeremiah here. And I want to read just a portion of this from when he's quoting Jeremiah. This is the new covenant that was cut by God with mankind through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of his own son, Jesus, that was shed on that cross. God cut the new covenant with you and with me. And in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming. Now he's quoting Jeremiah here. He's quoting from Jeremiah chapter 31 here. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. I disregarded them, says the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write or engrave them on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people, meaning he will enter relationship with us in that moment. And in that moment, he writes or engraves the word his law, his uh, blessed word into our heart. That's the engrafted, implanted word that James is saying to receive into our hearts. And it comes when we accept Jesus. It's not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles as well. Jesus came to make one new man and to save us all. Hallelujah. So he goes on and then he talks about being a doer of the word, one who actually does what it says, one who obeys it. That's what he's talking about. You know, I thought about it. If you say you ordered a piece of equipment, let's just take an air purifier, for instance. You order an air purifier. It comes with a manual or some type of instructional manual or owner's manual, whatever. And in there... It gives you the instructions about that piece of equipment. The people that made that piece of equipment know how it's supposed to work, how you're supposed to take care of it, you know, what you need for it, etc. They know. They know that. And so they've written all of that down for you, or you can find it online or whatever, but there is an, an owner's manual. There's an instruction guide for you for that specific piece of equipment so that you understand it, and so that you can benefit from it. It gives you the instructions on how to put it together, the instructions on its operation and how it functions, and the instructions on its maintenance, so that you know what you need to do to take care of it, so that it keeps working right. So once you read that, once you study that, once you implement that and do as it says to do in that manual, that is when you truly benefit from using it on a continual basis. If, let's examine that in light of this verse, 
being a doer of the word is similar to reading your owner's manual and putting it into practice. And when you do that, that's when you receive the benefits that are promised in the word. If we're only a hearer and we don't obey its instructions, we deceive ourselves. That's what he says right here. If you are a hearer only, you are deceiving yourself. That means you are taking a false inventory or you are making a false estimation. You are miscounting. You're thinking you're one thing when you're not. He goes on and he uses this um, analogy, this illustration of a mirror. And so I want to talk about that as we draw down to a close here. You know, a mirror reveals truth. You get a mirror, you know, it's clean mirror. You look into it. It's going to tell you the truth. If you're a hearer only, you might take a quick glance and, you know, everything seems okay. You're really not looking deeply into it. You're not that cautious about it. And so you think, you think you're fine. And you might have, you know, disheveled hair here and there, or you might have, you know, mascara on your face or whatever. And, you know, you're not paying attention and you're not letting that mirror show you the truth because you're just a hearer only. You're just a casual observer. You just kind of read through it and really don't take it to heart. It doesn't mean that much to you. You really don't care. And so you go away and you think you're okay. You think you're right with God. You think because, you know, maybe you're, you've been deceived by others as well. Maybe you're thinking, well, I go to church and, and I pay my tithes and, you know, and I um, try to do good to my neighbor. I don't, I don't murder anybody and those kinds of things. So, you know, you just take a casual look in the mirror. You go, you go your way. You think you're okay. And you don't realize the true condition of your heart. However, a doer is more like a person who's going to go to that mirror and they're going to get as close as they can. They're going to look at, they're going to turn their head. They're going to make sure there's, you know, nothing, um, no dirt behind their ears or, you know, coming on the side of their face. They're going to make sure they don't have mascara running anywhere. They're going to make sure their hair is in place. And when it's not, they're going to fix it. The mirror is going to reveal the true identity and true condition of who you are and what you are in that moment. And so by continuing to stay and look at that mirror and let it correct you, and let it show you the truth, then you will be able to benefit from it. So, by being a doer, you are consistently looking deep into the mirror, and in so doing, you will fix any and all flaws, and you will give constant attention to your true condition. You're going to correct things as needed. You're going to clean things as needed. You're going to conform things as needed, such as brushing your hair so that you don't have the loose hairs everywhere and, and a mess on your head. And you're going to complete things as needed. The mirror is a good thing. And you've got to really let it speak to you and show you the truth. And James here is likening the mirror and the situation there that we just described to a hearer only versus a doer.
Don't be a hearer only. Don't deceive yourself. Let the word of God speak to you. Yes, it will correct sometimes. Yes, it will uh, help you to know how to conform to the image of Jesus. That's part of its purpose. And in Timothy, um, Paul writes to Timothy and he tells Timothy, he says, all scripture is given by God and is profitable for four things. For doctrine, so we understand the truth about God, the truth about man, the truth about sin, the truth about salvation, all the doctrinal truths that are necessary. It's good for that. The Bible is what's profitable for that. The Bible is what will give you the truth about those things. It's also profitable for correction, for reproof, and for correction and for instruction in righteousness. The reproof is like you go into the mirror and you see and that your hair is all messed up. Correction is you you fixing it. You know, you brushing it out and, and fixing it. And then instruction in righteousness is how do you keep it from getting all disheveled again? Well, you don't go, you know, just, just uh, running your fingers through all of your hair everywhere and, you know, messing it all up. So the word of God is good for all of those things. Let it speak to you and then obey it because only in the obeying of it, just like the owner's manual, only when you obey it, only when you do what it says, will you be able to reap all of its good blessings and benefits. I pray this has been a blessing to you today and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits God bless you today in Jesus' name.